Bob Lee here, folks, from MTR Podcasts, and this month's presenting sponsor is Double Dutch Boutique. Double Dutch is vintage-inspired flair with a contemporary cut. The boutique features sought-after independent designers from around the world, as well as assorted goods produced by local artists and makers. Double Dutch promises a shopping experience just as unique as its clothes. Pop on over to www.doubledutchboutique.com today for their latest goods. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I'm your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is the founder, director, and principal curator of the American Visionary Art Museum, Rebecca Hofberger. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. I ne- Hold it. Let me do this thing. I can't believe I showered for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 great. I, I put on a tie. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you for something you didn't know you did for me. I love to laugh. It's like the only vacation I get, right? And, <laughs> right. Um, so I didn't know Patrice O'Neill, and so I I fell asleep. I had to have two memorial um, memorial services yesterday. It was like a day of you know emotional. Uh, our longest running volunteer passed away and we honored him in the morning and then I had another friend who passed and all of that and then I fell asleep and all my clothes all the lights on the tv on at as soon as I got home and I didn't wake up till five and then I was reading about what you love because I want to know you know the person I'm talking to and with totally and I want to thank you because I watch like everything on YouTube. (laughs) you know uh, did you know we honored Lewis Black and I I'm a huge for his social justice work as well of Dave Chappelle. And you may be familiar with um, how Oscar Wilde said, if you're going to tell people the truth, make them laugh or else they'll kill you. And that it, that works. (laughs) It's like why there was always a court jester, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. honestly, not as just a diversion, you know, from life, but to really, um, to, to communicate big truths in ways that people can take it in. That that's, that's one of the, uh, and, and thank you. That's, that's one of the things that um, I've heard from just, just different people that I know that that's um, an ability or, or a trait that I have that I, I don't really think I hear it from other people that some of the stuff I talk about in my other podcast, it it's usually kind of weird news. It has a particular kind of irreverent slant to it, but it's generally, this is what's happening in the world around us. And these are real stories and yeah, they're going to make you laugh. Yeah. They're going to, you know, make you, it's, it's a little cringeworthy, but at times the, the main goal of the stuff is, are you thinking about this? Are you seeing this? These are the people that you're around regularly. These are your friends, your neighbors, your family. And the weird doesn't stop. Even with coronavirus, the weird does not stop. Oh, no, it's escalating. So, you know, uh, did, do you know who Landis Expandis is? 
I uh, I think I received pizza from him once. Uh, I think he was delivering from um, Joe Square. But yes, I know of him. Oh, he's amazing. You know, he was like the lead singer for Almighty Senators. And he has his own okay. YouTube station. And um, for health reasons, he's not kind of going out a lot. But he taught himself, uh, you know, how to... I think he's absolutely a genius, I have to tell you. He, he performs all the parts. You think he has two backup men. And it's just him in costume. You know, and he knew how to, like, put it in. <laughs> And uh, so he did the best two songs on COVID. Uh, and uh, the one is uh, Back the Hail Up. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, and he has the most beautiful, articulate voice. And then his other uh, is, um, uh, what is it called? Sleep, sleep schedule. Uh, you know, and the idea is that with when you don't have to go to work because, you know, it's COVID or whatever. Yeah. You know, he says, I got my wine glass next to my coffee cup. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I have to, and I put him uh, in my new sleep show. And okay. what's amazing is that many geniuses throughout time of all sort in science and engineering and Mary Shelley dreaming up Frankenstein because of a dream. Um, yeah. uh, I juxtaposed him with this world famous virologist named Dr. George Church, who's a narcoleptic. But he says oh. that he gets his best ideas when he in that in-between state. And it's the yeah. same for Landis Expandis, like his songs and his paintings, which are superb. Yeah. I can't even believe I didn't know about them before. I just knew his music, you know? Uh, and uh, so we put that in the show and we juxtapose because a lot of people like, oh, I ask you, have you ever, have you ever had a dream come true? Did you ever have a dream? And then later it, it came to pass. I, I, I would suppose yes, yeah, yeah. I, I can't think of one right off, but it's like the dreams are vivid sometimes, and it's all of these different things flowing by. But I'm sure, like, there have been things that have happened. And I'm like, I dreamed about this. This happened in my head. Yeah, yeah. So um, I used to be at war with sleep, like, oh my gosh, I'll sleep <laughs> when I'm dead, kind of thing, right? And yeah. um, I would truly. Uh, uh, all the latest research, for example, um, Matt Walker uh, discovered that when men who sleep five hours a night on average or less have very small mm -hmm. testicles. And that's because <laughs> FYI, well. that, it's, and it's true for women too. our, our hormones are kind of balanced at night when we're in mm -hmm. REM sleep where our, you know, little eyelids are fluttering and we're dreaming uh, protein synthesis. That's the time in the 24 hours that protein synthesis is going on in the body the most as well. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's not a, Oh, you know, sleep or, or an escape. It's like, it's doing all these fabulous things for us. And so our new show really deals with that. Uh, and then three bedroom sets by individual visionary artists. Uh, you know, a lot of us are frustrated curators and, and uh, it's amazing when people take, you know, uh, kind of charge of their domain and yeah. what they've done. The, I already feel like this is going to be like a fire interview because, <laughs> because uh, I want to say like during the course of this week, um, like, the, the the sheer goal and, and I think I put it in the 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 initial email, but the sheer goal of this podcast, um, this series is interviewing artists, um, entrepreneurs, and just people I think are driving in an integral part of the culture um here in Baltimore. And I think um I think it's important. I I, I know that what what's the whole thing? Um 
anger is the energy for change. So, and this is something I got from my therapist years ago because I used to get just really annoyed. And I was like, this is stupid. He's like, huh, you must want to do something about it. I was like, fair. So when I want to say, uh, what is it? It's a little over a year ago, maybe 18 months at this point, when uh, Trump was talking very ill of Baltimore City and that whole back and forth with Elijah Cummins, I, I had a few, I had like Easy Jackson on and I had James Nasty on and they had a very vulgar, very rough response to a lot of the stuff, but they were very right too. And I was like, I can keep doing this instead of, I was like, I'm a six foot four, 300 pound black man. I was like, I'm already scary. So instead of threatening someone and yelling and all of this different stuff, right. how about I just highlight and show and disprove your point? and disprove the point you're trying to make and show people who are doing cool things here and show that we have a lot of talent here that gets overlooked because I think Baltimore is used as a buzzword. We're used as like Chicago was a few years back of, Oh, we want to talk about a place that, cause it's not all Chicago. Mm-hmm. They mean South side. They mean where, and, and, and I realize this and I'm on the bash of saying it. If it's a mostly black city, that's the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, the dog whistle kind of thing that I hear. And it frustrates and annoys me because I don't think we're different from, we're unique, but I think we need to be normalized. I don't think we're too different from any other city. Like we have issues like any urban place does. We have a lot of talent and we have individuals here. We have personalities here. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets washed away. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do this podcast to show that we have artists here. We have people that are doing dope things. And I realized, especially during COVID, that um, I'm not bad at networking. I, that was a skill that I was afraid of because uh, I've done a few, I had a few direct sales jobs. I'm like, I'm not doing well. <laughs> but I guess in, in going out there and pitching, because I've been podcasting for, it'll be 12 years in uh, February. Wow. And, uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about. One of those, um, I was, I was rejected by the school of the arts too young. And I was like, I need to do something else. <laughs> and, uh, I got into like playing with audio and all of this stuff is self-taught and having my own equipment and building out like a studio and all of this different stuff. That's kind of where I'm at. So like earlier in the week, um, the, the, uh, Kirk Butts, who's in, who's at BOPA he reached out to me and he was like, we should talk. I was like, yes, we should. And, and see where that goes. Good. Good. You know, the the thing is, um, I do think Baltimore's unique and has been like, um, I have to say I've been part of, I'm old enough. I just turned 68, (laughs) you know? Uh, and, um, it was so interesting because I've been through like eight rebrandings of Baltimore. And when I first started (laughs) the museum, I went to this one meeting and it was like, Oh, you know, we should have a Fox hunting. (laughs) I'm not kidding. You know, I was like, really, you know, but since then there have been so many lame, uh, uh, you know, you know, like brand monikers for the city of Baltimore. I mean, really, and they pay every time, you know, they pay faith popcorn come in Mm. and then they pay Mm -hmm. like a million dollars and then they have to, they feel then obligated to make posters of it and stuff. So I want to do, I mean, just pro bono, my staff and and I really, you know, I think we, we've really nailed, we, um, we've won like the top design um, over all the museums that have 
gazillion dollar budgets in the country yeah. over and over again. More first prizes than Smithsonian. And a lot of that's also our T- Teresa Segretti. You know, I give her an idea and she just runs with it, you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it is a cauldron. When Did you ever read the uh, Antero Piatella's book? His first one was uh, uh, Not in My Neighborhood about redlining and our the legacy wow. <laughs> of Baltimore, you know, because that really uh, from the developers of Homeland and whatever, the law, uh, they found a way to ex- make neighborhood uh, exclusive by law. You know, no wow. Jews, no blacks, you know, um, that happened in Maryland and kind of spread across. So that's a that's not a great legacy. But um, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, when I read his newest book, which I anybody who loves Baltimore should read uh, The Ghost of Johns Hopkins. Oh, my gosh. Taking a note. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, like, you'll you'll have to throw up in some piece. I, I made me throw up because um, part of it is. Our history is so dark. And this is Mm -hmm. well before it was a primarily African-American city. So uh, when uh, I was asked to like participate in this new moniker for Baltimore thing, you know, yet again, and, and I, after I read it, I said, remember that old song, bad to the bone. (laughs) (laughs) That's young Baltimore, bad to the bone. (laughs) But um, actually uh, another person was a great sense of humor. You, you should interview because he had, the best response I thought to Trump uh, about when he was dishing with, you know, Elijah Cummings, who I adored, uh, you know, uh, I, by the way, did you, did you ever, I hate to skip up, but um, did you ever watch Elijah Cummings bringing Michael Cohen to tears of because of his kindness to Michael Cohen? It was like one yeah. of those, uh, I'm going to, I'm working on a show called healing and, and the art of compassion. And I want to just put that in, in the screen that people see that how powerful loving kindness is. But what's interesting is like, if you really look at the history of Baltimore, um, I used to do a, a tour intro to people coming because we get a lot of international national guests, you know, and it's, it's hilarious. We say, well, how did you hear from us? You're there with your children who are 12 and 10 from Germany. You know, you're here. Sure. Oh, we're here to take the wire tour. <laughs> <laughs> that's, they, that's great. They got in a plane with their two kids to come to Baltimore to take the yeah. wire tour. It was like, whoa, you know, like that's an interesting, you know, psychology there. Um, but, you know, the great thing about, as John Winters said, too, of being, you know, number one in VD, do you know that we had been, you know, judge number one in VD? And he said, well, at least you could get a date here, you know. But, Going for the gold. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, there, there is something. I'm like, I'm so glad when we're number one in something horrible, because I'd rather be number one in something horrible than number two, you know, or three. Yeah. Um, and because if if the creative people can make a change here, it means anywhere on earth can really change for the better. And that's why I went and studied Medellin, Colombia, because it was the yeah. murder capital of the world. You know, I mean, the, it was the worst. I mean, um, much worse than here. And, but, you know, they had the number one uh, medical facility in all of that huge part of the world. Uh, the sure. first successful kidney transplant was in Medellin, you know, and they had very, yeah. very wealthy people. And then they had, abject poverty and misery yeah. and gangs. And I was like, wow, we, we have to learn from them because it's now the most 
successful with 15 years out from the change, uh, a shift to the most studied turnaround city. And so I wanted to know what did they do? Because, and, and so we did a whole yeah. year on Big Hope for Baltimore, Lessons Learned from Medellin, you know, yeah. and uh, there is so much potential in the city of Baltimore. And, uh, but um, there's a lot, there, unfortunately, I don't know, there's a lot of lameness, you know, too. You know, there really is, I have to say. And, um, and so, you know, but, but there's these pockets of absolute genius and we don't, we don't treat them very well. Well, the, the, the lameness thing, I, I wanted to interject because it, you, you mentioned the slogans and I remember one that caught my attention and um, so my background was in marketing and I'm currently a data analyst. And uh, one of the things that I was, I was working heavily in marketing at the time for like Verizon. And I remember that whole Baltimore get in on it. I was like, I need a new job. I need to work here because this is, this is bad. And, you know, being a, being a resident for, I was like, this is being a lifelong resident from here. It's like, this means nothing at all. This oh, is yeah. just, yeah. Throw this here. And I, I remember the thing about the, the joke because like I'm in my mid thirties. So having that whole Baltimore, the city that reads and all of that stuff growing up with that, I was like, that, does that work either? And it's just to your, your thing is like lame stuff. That's just there. It's like, how can we brand this? It's like, how can we affix a brand to something? Um, it's, it's like, it's like when, when someone's in music or, or they're trying to create a fan base, they'll give their fan base a nickname. And it's just like, you're reaching to, you're really reaching to try to have some identity or related to this property. Mm-hmm. It's not about what they're doing. It's about them being a commodity. And if you can find a way for people to feel included, suddenly there you go. Yeah. And that's what this brand is. The Baltimore readers or whatever. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I would love to hear what you come up with because you've been digesting this city for a long time. So. <laughs> I, I I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. Um, we were, um, and I, and I, I have like a bunch of questions I'll ask you, but we, we had, um, I was asking my, um, one of my, one of my good friends, I was asking, I was like, so what is the iconography for Baltimore? And, I was like, outside of crabs, I was like, I don't want crabs on air. Uh, I was like, what can we have that's different from that? No crabs, no uts, no, uh, natty bow, none of that stuff. And we, we were bumping our heads against the wall. And then when I did the other, one of the questions I used to ask on this particular podcast, it's like, who's the black celebrity representative for Baltimore? And all, like a lot of the guests, they were like, I have no idea. Well, Bill, Billy, uh, you know, Billy Holiday is much more popular in Europe than she is here. You know, she's iconic. And uh, when when we did our show, High on Life, Transcending Addiction, um, you know, she had this great, great, you know, she was very abused as a little kid and just went through so much. And yet she she said this thing when people were critical of her, of her drug habit. She said, I never hurt anybody but myself. Mm. You know, um, you know, there are uh, iconic people, and I love the mask that the daughters of Elijah Cummings have made, which were better than this. They're really beautiful, you know, mask yeah. and stuff. Um, no, there's so much here. You know, I, uh, what, what I would try to introduce Baltimore. You know, there are all these, like, uh, the the Catholic See is here, the Basilica of the Assumption, you know, and uh, the largest contiguous Jewish community 
even more than New York in terms of its pack and um, the Quaker movement that was so strong here um, and the first Ouija board. And then when Madeline Murray <laughs> took prayer out of school, the most famous atheist ever, she lived in Parkville, right? So you have, to, you, know, <laughs> you know, this out there, you have, you know, uh, and I love that. I, I call Baltimore really a cauldron of, uh, you know, such a brew that's either so sublime or so poisonous. And um, I, you know, like I can see how curious you are and I, I am probably to a fault. I mean, I'm constantly wanting to understand more. Uh, so read yeah. that book and then I want to talk and let's bring on Antero, who the, the, the man who wrote, um, okay. uh, you know, the ghost of Johns Hopkins. Cause uh, did you know that Baltimore was like, um, uh, the, the headquarters in all of America for gra- grave robbing. Like we were really good at it. <laughs> and, and the railroad, you've heard of the term rot gut. So what would happen yeah, yeah, is yeah. Uh, uh, people get, you know, would get buried and, you know, boom, by that night, because fresh corpses, you know, earned more than kind of old dried up ones. Um, so uh, so they would have this efficiency thing where they would dig up the, the head area and then put a big um, fishing hook uh, uh, down and like pull up the body, you know, from this little space. And, you know, yeah. and then they would sell it to the med schools, both locally, but up in, um, Connecticut, Yale, you know, and then, you know, to Harvard and they used our, you know, railroad and they would put all these corpses, uh, with uh, <laughs> alcohol to preserve them, to go up. And then they would, ah. sell. This, is, this, this is the gross part. They would sell the alcohol rot gut, is where it comes yeah. from to the med students. Okay, that's that's actually got a great. Why, why is this not a property that's being filled? This, this is the thing. Like, you know, I, I feel like at times I'm one of these. Like, I have like three ideas that are just sitting in my Google Drive of like very Baltimore oriented stories. They're pastiches of other stuff that we've known and seen. Like, one is a pastiche of the Warriors, and it's called like the Saints of Station North, and they're like solving mysteries in like that part of Baltimore City. <laughs> And it's just this one line in it where it's like the only way we can get out of the city is this, this thing about Baltimore being so small, but people in it is like, I don't want to go to West Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no one goes to Owens Mills. I'm not going to Owens Mills. And I'm, but one of the characters is saying it like that line from Valley Girl. And it's like, I don't want to go to the Valley. I don't want to go to Owens Mills. Uh-huh. And I was like, it's very niche. It's very specific, but I like that we have all of these rich things, these yeah. rich historical things that are weird and that it's like, you start digging, you can get a fair amount of content out of this in terms of movies, in terms of books and, and things like that. But I think that m- maligned reputation I, I mentioned earlier is a piece of it. it, it it's just people don't know. And, and, pe- and the people here do, but I know, but I, I guess the sanitized <laughs> thing, which comes up with these dumb slogans instead of really, uh, you know, the, what would be good is to look at what are the most memorable city monikers, you know, keep Austin weird. That was so good. Yeah. I think Portland stole it too. Uh, but, um, you know, they were the first and, you know, they really em- embraced that, you know, Virginia's for lovers, we know, but um, uh, John Waters, um, I was on briefly on the, what's it, the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, I had read in the first book John Waters had ever written that he said he dreamed that he would partner with the Chamber of Commerce. And he would, uh, uh, he wanted to see a bumper sticker that would say, come to Baltimore and be shocked. 
And I wanted, <laughs> I wanted and, uh, you know, like a whole thing where you would have all sorts of diverse people, you know, uh, characters looking shocked, you know, absolutely shocked. And then what they love about Baltimore that nobody knows, you know, like, like, yeah. and, and it would be playful and fun. And we had a celebrity and then his, uh, you know, hairspray did so well on Broadway. And when you make a gazillion bumper stickers are like, less than two cents a piece. And so we could have put that on every, you know, just like Bertha's muscles, you'll see, you'll be driving in Ireland and you'll see a bumper sticker saying, you know, whatever it is, eat Bertha's muscles. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think you should go take over. I think they're looking for the, um, (laughs) Reginald Lewis museum. Because you have that love of Baltimore and the quirkiness. Put your your hat in, and I'll help anything. Like um, I found out through uh, uh, there's uh, Philip. I'm kind of just old and forgetting his last name, but the great um, uh, you know historian of Black culture for Maryland, and he told me about Princess Wee Wee. She was the most perfect small woman ever um, in you know treated like a queen in circus life. And was yeah. and was in, introduced to Queen Victoria, where she married a giant because, you know, <laughs> you got to go there. Right. But she was like uh, perfectly proportioned. And she was, I think, only like 37 inches tall. But oh, wow. everything was perfect on her and dressed beautifully. So there there are so many stories to be told. I mean, people don't I, I wish more uh, kids growing up in Baltimore who are aware of the very serious inequities, of, you know, driving while black, you know, all of that um, would know how we treated gypsies. The fine in 1900, if you were a gypsy, was a thousand dollars if you were caught in Baltimore city limits after dark and then the what uh, yeah i know i mean it was like they really hated gypsies and what's interesting is there was this spirited girl uh you know a young woman from uh roland park who'd gone to bryn mawr you know uh, really and she ran away with the gypsies and married the gypsy uh, king and uh and then wrote the syndicated column on life with the gypsies and of course like this was like i mean the worst thing she could have done right uh but uh what's interesting is that her dad who was this you know sianos of uh society um said well you know i've I've gotten to know him and he's he loves my daughter and he's actually a a wonderful person you know and that that story you know like the true stories you would get at so i'm begging you because uh, the reginald lewis has like a quarter of the visitors we do, but they get 1.4 yeah. million more dollars from the state every year than we do. We have had to make well, miracles with the little money we have. So, well, there, there's a, there's there. a connection sitting there. Huh? There's a connection. There's a connection sitting there. Um, I, I went to Morgan and they sponsored one of the years I was there. So they sponsored our class one of the years I was there. So, Hey, remember me from back in the day, <laughs> you know, more hair, less of a beard, uh, <laughs> struggling to finish midterms. Hey, yeah, yeah, no, uh, um, absolutely. Um, you know, so I, I just think you have that love and frankly, a good museum is muse oriented you know, is uh, that divine inspiration that comes in manifest in music and medicine and invention of all sort, not just art. And I think you would make it so alive. So throw your hat in, honestly. I'll do that. Because you, I'll you, do you've that. been doing the, uh, the story behind this, you know, Baltimore for so long. And um, yeah, a little walk on the wild side about the true history of Baltimore and who was brave enough, for example, Everybody knows Hopkins, 
But uh, I did <laughs> yeah. a story on uh, called the top period in which it was Camelot, because four years before Hopkins opened its doors, two African Americans physicians opened Christ Church Hospital. And it was open to everybody. And because they were kind of uh, not welcomed at Hopkins later, the um, most of the medical staff under him, under him uh, were European physicians. And everybody got along. And they, you know, uh, people don't realize in the early days of Hopkins, they didn't want to treat Italians. They didn't want to treat the Irish. All of this was like, you know, riffraff. And it wasn't that Johns Hopkins, the original Johns Hopkins was Quaker. He gave the money wanting it to be for everybody. And specifically for those who couldn't pay and that it was to be one hospital for people of color as well. And, you know, as soon as he uh, got, you know, left the money and they didn't get it together um, until later, they, you know, were like, <laughs> we're not doing that. And there was a separate until 19, I think it was 66, really late. There was the separate, um, you know, um, hospital uh, for okay. the coloreds. And I've offered to do a truth and reconciliation process with Hopkins uh, for like 15 years. And like, you know, I think they like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I may have some things about Hopkins. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's not to dump on them only, but I think they really need no. their story told and it would be a really healthy process to look. And you read a lot about that in the, the ghost of Johns Hopkins, uh, uh, you know, uh, of where, where we've come from, because I, I, I think when people say to me, what's the most creative thing you've ever seen? And they expect me to say some painting or, you know, a uh, play or something. I always go truth and reconciliation process. Like, uh, and I got to work with Archbishop Tutu here, uh, in our show on character. Right. <laughs> and it was called yeah. race, class, and gender. Three things that contribute zero to character, because being a schmuck is an equal opportunity for everybody. <laughs> and it was the most beautiful show. You know, he cried That's when great. he saw what we did, you know, you know. That's great. So I, I'll be remiss if I, if I don't do the duty. I, I, this, this is a great conversation, firstly, but if I don't do the duty, then my not sponsors, I'm trying to get sponsors, but my not sponsors will like, Hey, Rob, you didn't do your show the way that you usually oh, do it. So I got a few questions I want to ask, um, a few about the, um, a few about the museum, um, and a few about your, your work and like your kind of connection to Baltimore and all of that stuff. And then we'll, we'll go from there. And also, um, one of the things I like to integrate in this show is um, a segment I like to call um, shameless plugs. So as we wrap up, you have anything that you want to plug Instagram, you like come there, do that. We got anything virtual going on, all of that stuff. That's the time to do it. So uh, could you describe the, the, the mission or, or the vision? Um, what was the thinking and coming up with, um, with AVAM? I like to use acronyms. Okay, real quick then. The, the cornerstone yeah. for me from the very beginning were really two things, but the, the cornerstone was this notion that I express as saying, uh, creative acts of social justice is life's highest performance art. Because to make real positive change is the hardest thing. You have to be fiercely creative because there's so many things pushing back from all sides to kind of keep things as they are. So you have to be kind of a genius to make social change. So that was one notion. The second was that what fuels evolutionary creative invention of all sort? 
And for me, that has been intuition, the ability to listen, not to, you know, I'm not anti-academic, but I'm saying what we look for in our artists who are self-taught um, and the people we pull in are people who are fresh thinkers and who may not even watch themselves. Some of them don't even think of themselves as artistes. You know, they're just mm-hmm. building the Garden of Eden in the backyard for the last 40 years, and they don't care yeah. whether you like it or not. You know, they're like really wholeheartedly, you know, devoted. And then my my bias is I've always loved science, um, and I love uh, how often it's the backyard tinkerer that will come up with, you know, not, not the big funding behind it. We'll see the elegant solution. So I'm very interested in hypnagogic state, you know, when people, where do people get their ideas? I, I, it's usually this, when we did Holy H2O fluid universe, um, we said, um, you know, do you get your best ideas in the shower? A lot of people get their best ideas. You smile, right? Uh, some, for some people it's when they're on long drives, like it's, there's something about, you know, you're not paying, you're paying attention to the road, but your other part of your mind is free. And again, this mining of our sleep. Uh, And and sometimes you get a great idea at night, right? And you wake up, oh, I won't forget this. And if you don't write it down, usually it's gone. And you think... Have a notepad at my nightstand all the time. That's so great. great. (laughs) Because there's something really goofy that I'm working on. Like, uh, well, I finished like the first like 10 issues of it. I did this comic book that's uh, about cats that are lawyers. It's ridiculous. Say it again. It's what? It's about uh, cats that are lawyers. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, but it's just me working in just different things. And it all came out of a conversation with, with my girlfriend. There's a, um, like different, there's a generational thing there. Like, uh, she's a, I, I guess she's Gen X and I am not. I'm, I'm younger than Gen X. So I'm like, you never saw this. And she's like, I've never seen this cartoon. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, look, there has to be a judicial wing in, um, SWAT cats. It's this cartoon I used to watch back in the uh, early nineties. And I was like, there's no special kittens unit, no attorneys at claw. And I was like, that's the idea. That's the freaking idea. And I started writing down things and the, um, the characters in it are based on a couple of my friends and myself. And it's a way of kind of working different things together. And it's, it's kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, that dream thing where, I wanted to be in comics when I was younger. I would do all of it. I would do the writing, the inking, all of the stuff. And just some person was just like, eh, this is kind of childish. I was like, well, I'm 11. Uh, so, you know, it was one of those things and coming at like 34 at the time and, um, finding a different way to do it. It's like she and I write the comic and I have an artist that does the illustration and it's a web comic. And, I think once um, once we do a few more issues, uh, there's some stuff in the middle we want to kind of add back in, like stuff that wasn't there initially, just right. kind of binding stuff. We're going to do like printouts of it. And, you know, I've talked to a few different like local vendors and said, yeah, we'd love to have this in our store. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is my backdoor way of being a comic guy. Yeah. Yeah. It will let us know because that's, you know, um, most of my staff, I'm a dog person, but most of my staff are really like cat people, you know, cause they can leave them yeah. all day, but I like things that can feel guilt, you know? So you're perfect with yeah. pairing cats that don't feel a lot of guilt with lawyers, right? <laughs> that's a natural marriage right so uh, so we did under um in the great mystery show i devoted a hall to the mystery you know how mysterious cats are you know going back to yeah. egypt and all of thinking they were you know gods but what's interesting is is the biology 
and that they evolved a particular parasite uh, called Toxoplasmosis uh, gondii. Toxoplasmosis gondii, really important for your okay. comic. This is going to help you, particularly for you know <laughs> the snidely whiplash aspect of lawyers. And um, <laughs> so, uh, what it is is when they uh, when you know they it, the 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 parasite comes out in their pee pee. So if they're in alleys, they you know kind of pee all over. And then the rats that ingest food, which has had this. Yeah. And the and the parasite enters their body instead of running away from cats to you know oh. save their lives, they yeah. fall in love and goo goo eyes with with the cat, <laughs> and the cat can just eat the mice, eat the rats easily. So it was a kind of an evolutionary helper that evolved. And what's interesting is that uh, people who have cats and who are less than you know clean uh, clean with them often they will get toxoplasmosis gandhi so i did the mystery of the you know of the cat ladies you know have 127 cats and they're eating dog for uh-huh. themselves but everything is for their cats you know and <laughs> and uh, uh, there is this thing they even think that it causes schiz- it's a underlying cause one of the causes of schizophrenia so look up toxoplasmosis gandhi and so I, isn't that cool that's that's given me an idea because um wh- one of the things I'm having trouble with because I want to do the way I ended and who thought I would be talking about this uh the way I ended the the first installment was uh they decided to close down a law firm and all of this stuff but they want to be they want to go into business for themselves and be like privatized instead of working for a law firm or what have you so I want the first case to have something to do with Garfield and I just wanted to be like a guy that only kills on Mondays a cat that only kills on Mondays. <laughs> And I, I want that in there. It's ridiculous, but I want it in there. So I think maybe having that toxoplasmosis Gandhi, uh-huh. Gandhi mm-hmm. would be an interesting way because we've already introduced rats in here as like they own a company. Uh-huh. So I, I can have that in there and it's in here is now, now I need to just get it down to paper. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. I'm using that. It, yeah. Because you could have them like when they do a client pitch that the week yeah. before they send them like a goodwill gift of chocolates, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they bring them in and they're hanging on every word. <laughs> yes. You know? So there you go. But it's actually based in fact. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. That's going to, um, I'm after I finish with this interview, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to write this down okay. because, well, I've already wrote down that piece, but I, I see it in my head and it's, that's, I think that would be, by the way, my, my version of the dream. It's like, mm-hmm. I think visualize, visualizing whatever it is. Like I remember when I was younger, I would do like spelling bees and things like that. And it's be always being the biggest kid in your class. is very hard to hide. So what again? Six four. Uh huh. Well, that's a good height, actually. <laughs> so is is, but it, and it's hard to hide. So, um, it's just like, all right, I need. I'm going to be in the front of this. I'm not going to be missed, and so on. So I needed to start doing this visualization in my head as to this is going to go well. I'm going to be really good at this, and it extends to these other things, namely these creative things uh-huh. that I um that I try to that I try to do. So. Well, in the words in of that, the producers, a- if you got it, flaunt it. You, you know, and you got it, really. <laughs> well, well, thank you. This is good. Um, so 
and, and I touched on childhood a little bit there for myself. So do you have any advice you would give like that you have now that you would give your younger self, maybe when you got started or maybe even like, yeah. you know, like early, early dentist. That's something. <laughs> really, I heard that Tom Hanks said this, you know, said, uh, uh he said, uh, floss, you know, but I, I would just okay. say, you know, from dentist, cause once, you know, you only get that one set of adult teeth and you know, if they mess it up, you're, you're in trouble forever, you know? So that I would say, uh, <laughs> you know, um, probably, I, I don't know because I haven't matured very much, honestly, uh, you know, uh, um, here I am 68 and, um, but I read things I wrote. I had a very unusual childhood. I got into college early and instead went off to France without speaking French and never having taken an airplane, uh, and, uh, to study with Marcel Marceau. And, and the only word I went with was cotton candy in French to show you how young I was, you know, which is father's beard, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, um, but my idealism was so strong from such an, you know, like I was a protector of people who were being bullied, like from, earliest days, you know, and I don't really feel like I'm very different. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess we should have evolved more, but I think, you know, I came in and I, I wanted to remember what I knew before I was born in this life and I had wonderful parents, but I still had a sense of being connected to something else. So the museum is really, um, a manifestation of any, everything that ever really moved me or touched me. I don't, um, I, I don't go by trends ever. I really beg, uh, you know, uh, creator, you know, every year, um, you know, what is going to be needed. You know, what people are going to walk in the door. What, what is the theme I, I, I should be doing. And then it like clicks. I know that sounds funny, but so when I did Holy H2O fluid universe, we opened more class five storms, then the Indonesian tsunami, the biggest ever recorded last week was Katrina in new Orleans. The whole year was about water stories. <laughs> um, when I did uh, the art of war and peace toward an end to hatred, boom, nine 11, you know, this is, you have to decide well before, you know, it was always, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, when I did the parenting show and art without a manual, what happened? Headlines, separation of children at the border from their families, you know? So it's like, but that wasn't happening when I picked the theme. So I'm always right. alert to mm, what I'm supposed to do. And then I, I, it's scary because I got to put it together fast. You know, uh, I only have less than nine months, you know, um, which is very tight in the world of museums. They, they work two and three years out. And, um, you know, and now, and then I didn't realize it was the 50th anniversary of Earth Day and we're keeping up because we don't have the money to switch it out, but we were had to be closed for six months because of COVID. Um, yeah. The Secret Life of Earth show. It's the largest science art show on climate change and the state of our earth anywhere. And it's gorgeous. And then the other show that I want to, uh, cause we've talked about the sleep show, the earth show is the Esther show where I juxtapose what happened to Esther in her survival, which is so sweetly told. It's not like, you know, hollowed eyes and stuff. Um, uh, her embroideries that she did only for her children, not to get in a museum, 36 mm -hmm. embroideries, uh, her tale of survival, but so lovingly done with what happened in Rwanda, where you had people of the same pigment skin, but you have yeah. Hutus and, and Tutsis 
And uh, what what uh, 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 you know what happened was that the Hutu army um, actually engineered the plane crash of their own Hutu president. But to deflect guilt, they said, "Oh, it was so terrible," you know. Tootsie, you know. And so what happened? Uh, Eight hundred thousand people, human beings, were mostly macheted to death in one hundred days. Eight hundred thousand terrible in one hundred days. And so I have that and what we did with the Native Americans, what happened to Matthew Shepard, um, you know, and uh, the big headline is from Terry Pratchett says evil begins when we begin to treat people as things, either as sex objects or as property or as uh, employees that can be discarded, you know, like, um, you know, and we don't have to worry about job conditions. Um, so it's such a truism, you know, it's like every evil can be traced back to when a human being, you know, thought of another as a thing. It, it's, it's one of those things where it, you don't have to do too much work to get to that, by the way, like every now and again, like it's a lot of TV, a lot of stuff that we're watching and, uh, that my girlfriend and I are watching. And it, it's always when there's a show with like this charismatic leader, it's always, as she points out, it's like, she was like, why is it always someone needs to have sex with you? You're running something and it's maybe young girls involved. Yeah. It's like, why is it always yeah. this? There's a, is, is a prerequisite for your leadership and you're touching God or, or whatever the Absolutely. thing is. And it's, it's, it's insane. Well, <laughs> uh, there are some notable, um, exceptions to that, but you're right. I think that, um, you know, this is really interesting. Okay. This is a keeper for you. So what have we done? We, we, every, every year I've picked a theme that has had the power to impact human beings, their behavior for good and for bad. But okay. So it's been religion, uh, in all face, beautiful from atheism to Zoroastrianism, respect for diversity of belief, uh, money, uh, treasures of the soul who is, who is rich. Um, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, religion, money, uh, government, you know, in the freedom show, uh, all sorts of, of these powerful things, you know, that have sure. sway over our lives. And the idea is that you realize these powerful things are never intrinsically good nor bad. Religion isn't mm-hmm. all good. You know, government isn't all good. Money isn't all good. Parenting isn't all good. You know, the subtitle of that parenting and art without a manual was the good, the bad, the horrific and the sublime. Right. You know, it's like sometimes right. you're lucky getting a saint for a parents, you know, and then sometimes you get predators. And even though they may have gone to Harvard, make a lot of money, play good tennis, look good, smell good. <laughs> they could still be yeah. the worst parent you could ever nightmare come into. So it was such an honest discussion on the essence. Yeah. Like an agree- I try in our exhibitions to orchestrate that everybody comes in and brings their life experience to the viewing. They're not just going, Oh, I like that piece. or Ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, you know, uh, guided to think, well, what do you think about this? And, um, you know, so all of our, the great powers are never again, intrinsically good nor bad, but they magnify intention. So mm-hmm. we lay out what is, what is the issue? And then we throw at the feet of people kind of the gauntlet of, you know, how uh, be aware of how this impacts your life. Yeah, I, I, I like to look at certain things like it, like these. This is neutral. 
you know, to, like this is gonna like this is a neutral thing. Uh-huh. Like it's like, oh, okay, cool. This is neither good nor bad. The people that are in that spot, it's it's them. It, 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 I, I try to use that as a way to make things more similar than different because when you start getting into the weeds of, oh, this is related to, well these people in this position, let's just say white men in this position, they are inherently this. I I don't know that, but I know that the role that they may be in tends to bring these traits out in people. Like if they're in this power position, they're in this top role, that's like, oh, well, I feel like I should have more than you. I should have this. I was like, if you start replacing people and say, okay, let's say black women are in that role moving forward, Mm -hmm then those same traits may come out of black women. Right. We we don't know. We don't see it generally because that's how this thing has been structured. But I think it's more so the circumstance, not necessarily the person. I try to look for Absolutely. the humanism, I suppose. Or you get a Clarence Thomas, you know, you get someone who, yeah, yeah, you know, like, so that's why it is never a case. Um, the only Monday from the very beginning that we would ever stay open was Dr. Martin Luther King day. And we make it, this huge thing. We were, uh, we attracted up to 5,000 people. It was always free that day because I was so upset that on Dr. King's day, we were celebrating his life and his vision with like discounts on washing machines and bras. Like, you know, like, <laughs> right. it was like, you know, that's it. So we would try to put on something and more and more people came. It was amazing. Of course, with COVID, all this stuff is, is changed, but, um, you know, we'll get back there again, but, um, you know, the, the thing is, is to always be mining, which I think is what you've done your, with your whole life of what's, what's really being said here, what is really valuable. And then having the enthusiasm to say, Oh my gosh, don't miss this because you can get very, you know, um, what do you call it? You know, kind of, um, just critical and feel like, Oh, I've done my part. I've said, Ugh, this is, you know, <laughs> and so it's great to be with people who, who see some magic and beauty and importance in even the small things and can magnify that. And, um, I'm hoping that our city, you know, like I couldn't, I have to tell you, uh, we honored, do you know who Ernestine Shepherd is? Go look her up. Oh my God. Okay. She's the world's, uh, uh, oldest, uh, uh bodybuilder. Yeah. And she's got a body like a 22 year old would beg for it. I mean, literally <laughs> I've been with her. It's not you know, yeah. Photoshop or something. And she's also very feminine, really beautiful. And she didn't start working out till she was 60. And, wow. uh, and she's as lovely inside as out. And I, I was really upset because I, uh, you know, she, she was married to a reverend who has passed away and she, she does teach, you know, and, and, and she did like a one arm, uh, uh, ups uh, you know, uh, she, yeah. she's just exquisite. And she wears like a bodysuit, like they would on Star Trek or something, <laughs> every little muscle ripple. And, um, I, I thought like, why isn't, why isn't, um, what's under armor right. and particularly cause I thought, um, my crush, what's his name? The actor, um, oh gosh, who was in wrestling. I'm so oh, the rock, the rock. I, you know, they had the rock, <laughs> the rock would fall in love with Ernestine because how can you not? I mean, she's just Google and look at her, her pictures and stuff, but she yeah. struggles every day and she's a treasure we should have embraced from the beginning, you know? So, um, you know, I, I really try to look for both in history, like who were the really brave people who brought some good? Um, and, 
you know, so we'll talk more, you know, at another time. Yeah. But um, I am so glad to know you and to meet you this way and wish you, this has been great. you know, just every unexpected joy and ease that you get to do your best self, you know. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. With that girlfriend. Huh? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, weddings a year at our museum, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, one, one, uh, one of my friends, I uh, did my morning cardio walk with, I mentioned that this interview was coming up. I was looking forward to it. I was a little nervous and, um, she was just like, I love that place. Uh, what? And, and, and then like my, my girlfriend texts me, uh, she was like, so, um, how's that interview looking like? She can't wait to hear it. I was like, Oh, more pressure. <laughs> And, and, and part of it is I was like, all of these podcasts are a service to you. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just interviewing places you like at this point. Oh, I love that. So it's like, I've had, um, I had the owner from Greedy Reads on not too long ago and, um, the owner from Be Willow on not too long ago. And I was like, I'm just hitting your places. Oh. And I'm like, I'll try to, you know, try to do this. Um, well, come on. So, have you not been? You haven't been to? Have you never been to our museum? Big loser. Um, I've oh. before COVID, we we had it we had it listed as we were going to go there because she wanted to go with me, and it just like schedules lined oh, up. And yeah, no, so, I'll tell you why because we're twenty five years old. Like, where have you been? Okay. Hello, I mean, really. Right. Uh, but but um, <laughs> come and come as my guest, and we'll. I want you to really feel it because it's not like any place on earth. We're a national museum, um, mm. but it's not like any museum we've ever been to. Honestly, um, then that's that's actually absolutely going to happen. People say it's um, the most healing place they've ever been, and this is so, okay. So, like Center Stage is great, but they have like a nine million dollar operating budget. We have a three million dollar operating budget, but from Oprah's destinations all the way up to um, uh, U.S. News and World Report, USA Today. They give yeah. one attraction per state. There are eight national lists in big media. One attraction per state. It could be a ballpark. It could be anything. Yeah. We're it on all eight. And yet we have the tiniest of all the cultural majors in the state. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so we've had to do amazing. so much with so little. So come and feel it. And I used all Baltimore architects only. Uh, and yet we want, we were the first museum to win the national award for excellence from the urban land Institute. And wait, till you see the yeah. life size. It's a black Icarus going up. It was a, a an opera singer, rock singer um, who was in the alternative Miss world contest in London. Uh, uh, Roy Brown is the model. Yeah. And it has 15 feet of undulating wings in all the rainbow colors of the of mirror with thousands of shards for feathers. And it takes yeah. 20 minutes to go up our Marilyn Meyerhoff stairway to the stars and then comes down. It's, it is, it's awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing. And the best well, we're too. We're, we're coming. Okay. We're coming. We're, we'll both be there. Cause I, I, I can't go without, I can't come without her. I, I have that duty. Um, okay. so so, um, I guess, I guess that's pretty much, I think I've gotten everything. I think in the conversation, I've gotten everything that I wanted, uh, for, for this particular podcast. Um, so that's great. Um, I, I guess, uh, I'm going to, again, thank you for joining the podcast. Um, do you have anything you would like to promote before I sign off? Hmm. 
Uh, we do have a lot of virtual and we have some translation uh, things into, we're going to do sock monkey puppet that always draws like 800 intergenerational people to sew. And we're making it two days this year. So the best okay. thing is to go to the website. Cause you know, we try to keep that updated www.avam.org, you know, yeah. um, and I'm such a Luddite. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how to, like, I, I think it's really good that I learned Zoom, but then you've been doing this podcast stuff for so long. <laughs> and we showed, you know, Chris Wilson's work, the uh, artwork for the first time in a museum um, a setting who wrote the master plan. But he's yeah. like, because in the parenting show, so much was about his mom, right? His mom had been such an amazing, brilliant person before she was, you know, brain damaged from a, a rape and an attack. And um, he's so, uh, I mean, Baltimore, we are so close to being the city that should be the most studied in America for positive turnaround. And we just yeah. got to uh, love a lot more and, and, and not to the lame PC stuff. I mean, really, you know, honestly, uh, you know, uh, there's so much amazing things to teach the world from here. And I'm glad that you're one of them. Well, thank you. Um, so I'll do my sign off. Uh, I, yeah, this is, this is, I'm, I'm sweating. I feel like I've had an experience so far. This is great. I have to change this dress shirt now. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, so for Rebecca Hoffberger of the American Visionary Art Museum, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. All you have to do is look for it. 